2: Get yours in
0: Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
2: The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a unique website. My mom asked me just this week, when is my blog, Courts of Thunder, coming along I had to tell her I'm working on it. The people at Squarespace are helping. You can customize everything. You head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code around. I'm going to use it to start up Courts of Thunder. Very excited about Juan Martin Del Potro's win in Acapulco this week. Again, use the offer code around squarespace.com.
1: The Around the NFL podcast is very open to change.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Greg Rosenthal, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wesseling, and how about a little Patrick Claybon? Hey, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Weird show. You know, Dan called in sick. He's got uh, a stomach virus who which is taking out the entire Hans' family. So that's unfortunate. Colleen sometimes uh you know steps into the host chair. She's in Indianapolis covering the final day of the combine. So uh so we we forge on, but we got a big addition with Claybon in the house.
3: There's a fair bit of wreckage, I think uh even with the, you know, I got back uh, an extra day late from the combine, stayed an extra night, volunteered my trip because there was simply no flight for me in the connecting city of Atlanta. So it made sense. Uh, chatted with Jerry Jones, J- Jason Garrett at about oh, thirty in the morning. Nearly missed my flight the next day because it was a <laughs> 5 a.m. wake up. But I will say the entire weekend, I just felt like I was in a total fog. And Dan was fighting that sickness for probably two and a half weeks. And I think it finally just came home to roost. In full throttle fashion, hope he gets better.
4: It's tough to dodge, and it's something before you have a kid, you know, you hear people talk about it. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever. My stomach's good. Right. But (laughs) he went down like two weeks ago, and, you know, I'm washing my hands. I'm keeping my head away. Your
2: son, Malcolm, pronouns here. Yes.
4: Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Uh, I have a child. Uh, (laughs) Proof of sexual activity uh, is out there for me. (laughs) Wow. But he, um, yeah. So he gets the stomach bug, and I'm thinking I'm great. You know, I'm I've got this taken care of. And then like at, at midnight, it just hits you, and you have no chance. So, big ups to Dan. I
3: like that you view a child as proof of uh, prowess true. in that world. Yeah, card carrying. That's I mean. <laughs> That's it. I think.
2: Interesting. That reminds me of a, an old RGVP segment we used to have called They've Had Sex. <laughs> and uh, basically, whenever someone gets pregnant, it's proof. RGVP. Proof positive.
5: I, I would say before cancer, I had a very strong anti missing work for sickness. Like, I don't know. Like, is that a good enough excuse to miss work? But now that, I, now that I've had cancer, I'm like, do not come in here and infect me with those germs.
2: Mm, yeah, that, that's fair. So Stay home. So Dan is recovering. We're recovering from our trip to Indianapolis, which is not a place that you normally leave feeling better than when you arrive there, at least not for the Combine.
3: <laughs> well, just because... Kind app- of a sneaky atomic bomb on Indianapolis. No, no, I, it's, I it's it.
2: more on us because you have certain nights like being out at one thirty in the morning and seeing the Jones family before taking a 5 a.m. flight. No matter what, that you're not going to be feeling great after that. I know the Wesseling clan maybe woke up on Friday morning, as it were, I don't know if they were feeling a hundred percent because I had a I had a four thirty wake up call on Friday. I ducked out about one one thirty maybe that night, but I, I think the wrestling boys and you had four of your brothers there. Yeah, that you we, we
5: guys were out late that night re- went really well for about six or seven hours, and I'll just <laughs> leave
3: it at that. <laughs> I witnessed the positive side. Of I want to hear. I want to hear the rest yeah. of this. The, well,
5: none of it involved me, so. I'm I'm in the free and clear on that
2: one. But okay, there, Just getting updates. There
5: was a late night incident that happened outside of the mix that I was involved in.
2: Hmm, maybe outside of steak and shake or something like that. No,
5: it, it happened back at the Airbnb,
2: uh, at <laughs> okay, which, at which my brothers were all renting. We'll have to we'll have to hear about this after the show. They Not all surprising at, at all. The show it was great to see them all. Out of yeah, the and yeah, and I had a few
5: friends came in town too. Thank you for coming out. We had a blast, uh, Mark. Connor, Patra, they were all involved. It was a, a gun you were there for a little bit. It was a
2: fun mix. A little bit. I mean, it was—you know, I was there at a 1.30 in the morning. Greg, Greg
3: pulled a—, late, a That's a, a late night for me. Late Greg night, no little doubt bit. about it. For, it. It, West, it was West a strong league. showing. In had lately. some listeners join us. Very fun.
2: So that's it with the Combine. The on-field drills did wrap up on Monday, the defensive backs. So we're going to talk a little Combine winners and losers later in the show. We've also got the return of— uh, one of America's favorite segments, Trash Takes with Patrick claybon Not a fully fleshed yep. out Trash Takes, but we had one we wanted to throw out there. And then it turned out uh, that both Wes and Mark have a Trash Take. They want to throw out each, so it's a little oh, different. Yeah. A but movement. I, but I like this format, so we'll wrap that the show up with that. But before uh, we do either of that, let's uh, say hi to Lindsey Fulton and uh, do a little news. Hola. Now I'm gonna do
4: the news. <laughs> hey, what's up everybody? Man, I wanna let y'all know I got invited to the NFL Combine. Man, I, I thank y'all for all y'all support. You know, the entire nation's behind me and I couldn't do it without you. I'ma let you know something special coming soon and you're gonna see it. They invited the right one to the NFL Combine. And I'm gonna show you. I got a lot to prove. Against all odds. That is the voice
2: of Shaqim. Griffin, one of the big stories, probably the big story, I would say, of the NFL scouting combine. That's a little bit of a tease for when we really break down uh, the college players and the winners and losers from all the on-field stuff. He, of course, will be in the winners. But we're going to start the news instead with a big trade that happened uh, just before the weekend. The Miami Dolphins sent a fourth-round pick to Los Angeles with trade and less need for Robert Quinn, the veteran defensive end The a couple of sixth-round picks were also also exchanged in the deal. But Robert Quinn, who had one of the great pass-rushing seasons of this decade back in St. Louis in 2013, got a huge contract off of that season, is no longer a ram. Wes, what do you think? It's that time of year. It's time for the
5: Dolphins. To make news for chasing names that are bigger than their games. Mm. <laughs> they do it every March. It happens, you know, like the salmon returning to Capistrano. <laughs> the Dolphins just go chasing names. Wow. I
3: mean, it's if the first it was, thing I thought, too. This is the Miami Dolphins time of year.
5: If it was any other team, I might give them the benefit of the doubt and say, maybe Robert Quinn is due for a bounce back year, but it's been about four years that we've been counting on a bounce back year. Mm. And who knows how much the back problems
3: ha- have really just made him a different player. How do you like him in that cast of character? Those with Cameron Wake, um, Dodamik and Sue. A nice guy to add to that little mix. He gets
4: the, the benefit of of playing with Donald last year. And I think the number was eight and a half sacks. Um, Ian said he was still owed about $22.5 million. And actually, the Rams wanted to ship him to KC as a part of the Peters trade, but KC wasn't interested in that. They chose to go with picks instead. Mm. So, so you're just wondering, as as Wes said, you know, what's really there? Uh, he, what, are the, you
3: know, what do the Rams know that the
2: Dolphins presumably do not know? Well, he wasn't a, a difference maker as a starter last year. The difference was he stayed healthy. He was really hurt the two years before that, and he stayed healthy, uh, played all 17 games for them, played a lot of snaps. I watched him really closely because he was. A, I've always been a fan of Robert Quinn because. I feel like that season that he had it was almost like lost to history cuz he was on a kind of a dead Rams team and it was I thought after that Here's one of the best defensive players in the NFL for the rest of the decade. He's gonna be that kind of guy because he was such a special pass rusher, and he's never been able to stay totally healthy or back up that season. I've always watched him closely. I watched him a lot this year, and he just he made a few plays, but I don't on a snap to snap basis. I don't think he was really helping them out that much. I mean, it sounds
3: like the Bucks and Browns almost chased after him as well. But how do you? If you're one of these other teams, you're the Browns, you have 142 draft picks. How do you not top what Miami offered? Mm. Maybe, if you really wanted this, look at fourth maybe, guy they've missed. Maybe your evaluation is that he's not worth them. I mean, it mu- people must feel the same way. A fourth-round pick is not much.
5: There were stretches last year where guys like Matt Longacre were more disruptive than Robert Quinn on mm. that Rams defense.
3: Yeah. I, I mean,
2: a fourth-round pick, to me, that seemed about fair for the chance. He's, look, he's still just turning 28 years old, and it, maybe there is a chance that he another year healthy and removed from that back surgery that he kind of dials it up a notch. I didn't think it would have been crazy for the Rams to keep him, but you owe him more than $10.5 million. And it makes you wonder. You mentioned the big names. and Sue, Cameron Wake, they're paying Andre Branch, I think, $9 million a year if all of these guys are still Whenever
3: gonna... you can do that, you must. <laughs> are, are all these guys
2: even going to be on the team in a, in a week?
4: I think we saw, at least from the Eagles, that there is a value in investing in the known. Uh, versus the unknown, and and so that that does come at a premium, but again, w- w- what's the number? You know, like what's the, what's the value that they're really getting out of Robert Quinn?
2: And the Rams had to dump some salary so that they can pay Lamarcus Joyner, potentially pay Sammy Watkins, get active in free agency. They also got rid of Tavon Austin, so they're clearing the decks. Eleven million dollars off uh, the books for them, and you have to wonder if Jarvis Landry is coming off the books for the Dolphins. He reportedly is going to sign his franchise tag, and there are a quartet of teams chasing Jarvis Landry, so I feel like by this time next week, we're taping this on a Monday, rather in in two weeks' time, that he's probably not on the Dolphins in two weeks. Yeah, I think our initial instincts were correct on that one, that the Dolphins tagged him to
5: trade him, and they have... The other part of this news is they've already given him permission to seek a trade. Uh, it looks like the Bears are are heavy into him. The Ravens, the Titans. Uh, I think the Browns have been mentioned.
3: I'd like to see him with the Bears. That makes a lot of sense. The Ravens were interested in him last season, so that would make two off seasons in a row where there there's some sort of pursuit out of Baltimore for him. I, I just I think when you look at the Bears, they have an absolute ton of cap room, so that makes. They need to surround Mitchell Trubisky with weapons. That was a consistent theme for them at the Combine, so I could see that happening.
4: And if it's Chicago, you, you wonder what they're going to do to augment uh, Jarvis Landry if, if he's there because the, they're still going to need a guy to be out wide uh, that's going to take the top off of defenses. Jarvis isn't going to be that guy. But as far as tagging and trading, you go back, Matt Castle, fun trivia, the last guy to be tagged and then traded back in 2009.
5: Mm-hmm. Traded really, Along with the Tennessee Titans' current head coach.
4: It's been so long since
2: it's happened. Oh, yeah. Mike Rabel weird. went over to Kansas City in that move. <laughs> yeah. Forgot about Following, that. Following uh, Pioli. It's crazy that they got basically the same for Matt Castle that they did for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, very concerning. It's a little problematic, yeah. so we think Jarvis Landry is is moving on. I I expect it because they're over the cap right now by eight million dollars, and he and that's not even counting the eleven <laughs> that Robert Quinn is going to cost them. So that puts them nineteen over. Uh, they're they're going to have to move
3: Landry, I believe, by well, March 16th. It would be one note though. The Ravens right now have about nine point six million in cap room. So if you're going to pull a deal like this, you're going to have to move other people, restructure people. Yeah, they, uh, we still haven't seen the big wave of cuts.
2: So that's going to happen throughout this week and, and really hit you know, over the weekend and early part of next week. I believe Monday we're doing a little free agency frenzy yeah. on the NFL Network. Are you hosting that at all? No, uh, the
4: oh, early good. The early halves. And then Andrew comes in and, and full production, but you know my little ragtag crew. <laughs>
2: no, you're like you're like the starter you're like the starter, and he he's the closer. We're just gonna try to get three
4: innings out of me. Before we get <laughs> Andrew in. Uh,
2: before we move on from the Dolphins, a lot of Dolphin news. I thought it was interesting that there's been a lot of reports that the Dolphins, including from Peter King, are in on quarterbacks in this draft, and people would almost be surprised if they don't take one with that number eleven pick, or if they trade up to take a quarterback.
3: Baker Mayfield a while back tweeted something about i come, you know, come get me, Dolphins, and he, I think I could see why a quarterback would want to play in the city of Miami in general. Uh, the, but it, that's the name that they've there's been a continued sort of whispering around the idea that the Dolphins and Baker Mayfield could be a match on some level. They're at number eleven. I don't know if he's going to be there at number 11. You may have to find a way to orchestrate a trade. I could see four quarterbacks. I think we came out of Indianapolis feeling like, for for better or worse, four quarterbacks could go in the top seven spots, leaving some incredible other players there in the middle of the first round. I think outside of Greg, this podcast
5: has been very reluctant to place Ryan Tannehill on the right side of the Dalton scale. That we've always doubted him. Shots fired. I mean, give me a break. You know, he's right there. I I gave up on him. I I think that we've been criticized for it, that a lot of people complain that we don't respect Ryan Tannehill enough, and it says here that if the Dolphins are in on quarterbacks, then they've soured
3: on a guy who hasn't been on the field in about 20 20 months. Adam Gase has spent all offseason saying, no, no, no question about it, Ryan Tannehill. Except that also could mean Ryan Tannehill is your starter next season, but you're not looking at him as the four or five-year answer.
4: And and that would be pretty telling because if if Ryan Tannehill's a bridge, like where is he a bridge to? And so Terabithia, <laughs> remember that book? Or, or no? I mean,
2: it's a bridge to whatever <laughs> they've been doing the last four years, which is just they're just that middle. They are they are kind of the Dalton scale of teams, the Miami Dolphins. They are to be generous. They probably.
5: might be the most boring organization in the NFL. So,
4: but the way it breaks down, you're you're looking at the way that the top ten works. If they want just any guy like then that's really saying something about Ryan Tannehill right if it's just like oh if it's one of these four guys or maybe we go (laughs) try to get back seven picks and take Lamar like how do they really feel Mm. well based on what Adam Gase is saying as you said Mark it's it's probably not not a
5: bright idea to
3: go tell everyone that you're in love with Baker (laughs) Mayfield if that's the guy you want exactly there's going to be a run on quarterbacks obviously I just think they're going to be stuck having to pay a lot I will say this If you are the Dolphins and you're boring, according to you, and I don't disagree, Baker Mayfield would change that energy a little bit. True. Yeah.
4: Instant, not boring.
3: um, I
2: I don't know how much to trust all the draft information that comes out this time of year. Probably not that much. But when it comes from uh, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, who joined us for a, a fun segment of live Rap Sheet Rumors, if you haven't checked out our podcast uh, from the combine. Are half those rumors even still in play at this they, point? They, it's all been moving count. So fast. they all still count. Well, he had another one on Monday, uh, or on Sunday rather, that he believes Saquon Barkley is in the mix for the Browns at the number one overall pick. And there's been some reports out there that even went a little further than that, that probably that basically
3: said they thought that Barkley was the favorite for that pick. I mean, I think this combine certainly seemed. You got a lot of coaches that when you say, hey, what do you think of this player? from, you know, Iowa State or whatever. The coach is like, I have not watched tape of anyone yet. I don't know. Don't ask me those questions. So they're just beginning. And then you go to the combine. And what happens, I think everyone gets overvalued or undervalued because it's a workout and Barkley blew his out of the sky. We'll talk about it later. But you could one team came out with a perfect grade on Barkley. And it's t- some that team had done, I think, four times in 20 years. So... I mean, it's not shocking that with a number one pick, you'd potentially be interested in the best player in college football. Well, yeah, I think when you look at his tape and then his combine, of
5: course you're going to consider him. He might be the best talent in the <laughs> draft, but you also look at the Giants and Colts are drafting right behind you at number one, and they both have massive holes at running back, so it. It behooves you to say you're interested there. You know, keep all the options on the table at number 1.
4: And then you're back there at number 4. So my question to a Browns person who's thinking this way, if you're not at 4, are you still thinking Saquon at 1? Like if right. if no. you don't have that opportunity I don't, to get back in there, and if that's the case, then how are you really I think they're valuable?
3: clearly going to chase after a veteran cuz I don't think they want to go in with the pressure of a rookie playing in week 1, but if all they had was number 1 and then the 33rd pick, yeah. I think you would be putting yourself in a PR mega disaster to pass on the quarterback for the 18th year in a row. But it, but it would, it, on some level,
2: it, in Barkley, by all accounts, is deserved of this kind of hype. It is is less to do with just blowing up the combine and more just his his tape, and you can see it. He looks like a like a I don't know a rich man's David Johnson. I mean that that would be an incredible NFL career, yeah. but kind of kind of reminds you <laughs> of that. And why not consider take that guy? But also, if you have a quarterback, you clearly will have a preference for which quarterbacks. Right. It's kind of insane not to take that guy one because whoever it is, you have to then be willing to live with the fact that he could get taken, that a team could trade up or, or whatever it was. And that just,
3: it's We're, hard to We've imagine. been there before.
5: NFL scouts and GMs have opinions on everything. Like, they're not going to have an opinion on who they
2: want at number one by then? I don't believe that for a minute. Uh, uh, and you, you mentioned... Sessler, that the Browns are likely to get a veteran at you know to pair with this rookie. I I really wanted to ask John Dorsey, by the way, about Deshaun Kaiser because I didn't hear his name.
3: I don't know if he'd answer you after you called him a 1980s science teacher on our <laughs> last show. <laughs> i mean that's not a that's not an insult though. i mean i don't know if i don't know if it's a I, it's somewhere in between insult and compliment i don't know if it's i don't know where I like at the, how, I,
4: how are science teachers from the 80s supposed to feel about
3: it well i think um ben stein and ferris bueller's
2: day off he's doing fine i don't know there's no, ben, one example ben the, the only is, one i can think actually of. trash now though. oh yeah that's, yeah that's true i forgot about that <laughs> uh what what are the reports out here mark was that was that the Browns want AJ McCarron. That Hugh, J- Hugh Jackson, that's his preference. Is to have oh. AJ McCarron as the as the veteran. This is from uh, the MMQB's Peter King.
3: I mean, we heard that out at the pubs and restaurants, like within five hours of being in Indianapolis. And Peter King used the words that the team is exceedingly interested in Exceeding. signing him. I think it's a olive branch to Hugh Jackson that says we're largely going to control everything that happens from here on out. But if we can get A.J. McCarron at a relatively decent price, because we're not going to pay for Cousins. We're not going to go give Case Keenum some Sounds like they're meal. in the mix for Keenum, though, which I makes mean, I
2: sense just... to me because I think he's kind of that lower – that maybe at the right price, they'd be like, all right, Keenum for
3: Again, though, like it's bridging to the last question, how do you sell the fan base on any lower tier veteran as your answer? It must be a one-year patch or
2: otherwise there'll be an well, upgrade. Yeah, they're going to have a rookie with McCarron. And in that scenario, that sounds fine to me. In fact, I kind of like it if you don't have to pay him much because it doesn't make much sense to pay Case Keenum 16 or $17 million just You know, for a year, maybe AJ McCarron's not going to cost that much. That's kind of what I would.
4: How do you sell the fan base on a bridge anyway? It's just.
2: Oh yeah, this is one of your things that's on your radar: bridge quarterbacks. You know, the whole concept is starting to
4: bother. Well, I mean, it's it's all about excitement, right? And and generating buzz. And it's like, oh well, I want to go buy a jersey. I want to go. And if the idea coming in is we drafted this guy, but this guy is going to play. Well, is he playing because the other guy's not good enough, and and when do you make that switch?
3: It's- I don't think Hugh Jackson deserves this so-called olive branch. I'll just say this at all. I'll just say this. <laughs> he spent every essentially every one of his his coaching starts with the Browns with rookie quarterbacks. I think he just desperately wants something different. He's going to need that branch to take him out of the lake when he still
2: jumps into it He's going 16. I love this idea of the A.J. McCarron
5: one-year bridge so Hugh Jackson can be hoisted on his own petard (laughs) and fired when A.J. McCarron
3: leads them to a (laughs) 2-14 season as their quarterback. Well, Hugh Jackson gives... John Dorsey, an excellent scapegoat when everything inevitably crashes into itself. It's, it
4: seems like a, a lot of scapegoats are leaning on each other. It's <laughs> like a house of scapegoats.
5: Bunsen burner, blowtorch here uh, for goats. Do you. tend to climb up on the roofs and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> <that> <laughs> uh, house of scapegoats. So I'm but okay, look up the
4: etymology of scapegoats.
5: somebody's <laughs> going to have to Photoshop that one. <laughs> the <laughs> etymology of scapegoats. Yeah. We already know what that is. What is it? It's from the old biblical times when you know some. When the whole village would have a problem, they would put it on a goat instead of a person and run that goat out of town. <laughs> really? Yeah, they would put they would like put it on a cursed goat, run that goat out of town. Kind of like sending pigs off the cliff. It's like so you don't have to kill a human in retaliation
2: for something. You just put ah. all the sins on a goat. Save it for the uh, See, biblical was, uh, etymology
4: podcast. College yeah. <laughs> bombs. I was thinking Scape had something to do with it.
2: Uh, I, I like when people <laughs> say skate. Wait, what are the, How do the people? In yeah, a scapegoat? Yeah, in a scapegoat.
4: That's what the goats <laughs> wanted to do, but then they got set on fire or whatever. So,
2: but Karen uh, almost got traded last year to the Browns. One guy who could get traded this offseason is Michael Bennett. He's had some run-ins uh, with uh, our fearless host of this podcast, Dan Hansis, back in the locker room after losing the Super Bowl. Not not Michael Bennett's finest day. He's had some run-ins with a few people. He he has uh, also been one of the most versatile and maybe underrated, although I feel that by the end of his career now, people properly rate Michael Bennett and, and recognize what a great player he's been. The Seahawks might not be able to afford him anymore, and so he is reportedly on the trade block. Multiple teams are in on Michael Bennett, and the Atlanta Falcons is one that ESPN.com's Uh, ESPN uh, NFL Nation reporter throughout there as getting in the mix for Michael Bennett. That makes sense with the Dan Quinn connection.
5: He can still play Michael Bennett. His pass rushing numbers were better last year than they were the year before. Uh, That said, he's turning 33 during the seasons. But to me, doesn't he make more sense on the Falcons now? Because I think the Falcons have a much better roster than the Seahawks.
1: Hmm.
3: I think it's like when you're trying to figure out what the Michael Bennett experience is all about, like Dan Quinn, any former coach makes sense because you've been there, you've dealt with the player you know. Uh, Is it Chris Richard in Dallas is another guy who might be out there? They could always use some pass rushing help. I find it interesting Seattle would be ready to give up on him. I. Am I I read
2: this wrong or not? Like it's one point five million is his salary this season. That's his base salary. He does have. um, I just put it up. I obviously would not have known this. A four million (laughs) dollar roster bonus.
3: Don't say it. Just (laughs) quit. Just act like you would.
2: He has a four million dollar roster bonus. So that's a total of five point six million. Maybe there's some other bonus money in there. But that's that's certainly not crazy. But the Seahawks, I think they're ready to kind of push the button and start over and they have salary cap issues. And I think they want to get aggressive, maybe signing uh, some new players to their team. And one really telling quote that stuck with me from last week was talking to Pete Carroll and hearing him getting asked questions about changing his coaching staff. And he was just, he just said, I, I thought it was time. He, I, he's like, I thought it was time. I need to be, he said he needed to be challenged more that he's looking forward to the challenge. He wants some new coaches and I kind of fill in the blank, maybe new players that challenge him. He said he, he likes the challenge almost of not starting over, but it's going to be a different era of Seahawks football. Cam Chancellor might be gone. Cliff Averill might be gone. And maybe their thought is why keep Michael Bennett one more year? We need some extra cap space.
4: Let's let's send him away. I guess the argument would be because he can still contribute right. in the NFL. And, and you, I understand you want to make some changes, but I don't know if that defense is – Something that you want to give up on right now?
3: Yeah, be careful of these house cleanings sometimes because sometimes the head coach can be the the last element and can come in late December.
2: It, it it's something that I think they they would have to be on the same page though that John Schneider and Pete Carroll are kind of in this together and I think they always have been really in lockstep. And Bennett was injured and he is turning thirty three, so it's he's not he's not without a risk on the
4: it, on the Falcons side. Uh, watching that after watching the game against the uh, the Eagles. I had to go back and ask research if Vic Beasley actually played in that game.
2: Yeah. All, did he play all year? He played like he played 20 like- snaps a year and 20 snaps a game and was kind of playing at linebacker. They said, by the way, they're going to move him back. They, move, they change his position every yeah. year, move him back to the defensive end. But they have a lot of guys on that team that are just kind of taking up space. Hmm. Derek Shelby...
3: I think they, they cut Derek show it, it would be terrible to be described that way.
2: I'm just saying a in, lot of in guys. In one's career. Just <laughs> I thought Brooks that, Reed played pretty probably. well. He played pretty well. I guess a lot of guys who are making kind of Michael bennett money that maybe aren't as good as Michael Bennett. Probably. The
4: minimum descriptor for a human alive or dead.
2: Is the that's thing. all I'm doing. Occupied It's taking up space. Uh, this this new segment's taking up space. I think I've got to pick up the pace. We want, with hands, it's not here. Uh, let's move on to the Eagles, where a couple stories came out over the weekend. One – was from uh, Jeff Mosher, who's covered this team for a long time and reported an AFC team offered a second-round pick for Nick Foles. And the other story was that Vinny Curry uh, could be cut. Initially, it looked like he was going to be cut. That was from R.E. and Rappaport. Now, they might try to restructure the deal or potentially trade him. Uh, But two different... Stories there, and and the
3: it sounds like the Foles price tag is going to be very high if a team really wanted. it. Well, ESPN Chris Mortenson from ESPN, after we kind of drummed up our our segments for this news thing, reported that the Eagles are seeking more than the first and fourth round pick level they sought for Sam Bradford in exchange for Nick Foles. So it does not sound two things. It sounds like a we don't want to we don't want to let him go, and b we want to make sure that Carson Wentz is actually ready to roll because there've been a couple. Concerning reports about the level of uh, the knee injury that Wentz suffered, how do you know right now that if you get let Nick Foles go, that Wentz will be there ready to go week one? And see, they kind of want, they might want
2: people to know about how how much it would cost to get Nick Foles because these reports don't come out of nowhere. But you know? I mean, so that second... makes me think that like, okay, we're not just gonna trade Nick Foles. They really do value him, and why wouldn't they? He he just won them a Super Bowl. But they also don't mind maybe hearing, you know, telling other teams, hey, if you give us a first and
3: and a fourth, we'll think about it. What's this AFC team that offered a second? That, to me, sounds suspect. Rounds have a couple seconds. But, again, you're giving away a second for Nick Foles, and you're also pursuing A.J. McCarron. It just doesn't really pass the test. It doesn't. a,
5: A Foles trade doesn't make sense for any side except Nick's side. It doesn't make sense because any team lacking the coaching acumen and surrounding talent of Philadelphia will be giving up way too much for what he's worth.
4: That describes a lot of teams.
5: <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Why would you be giving Basically, more like than every, he's
2: every worth? team. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so Not you'd mostly. be giving up more than he's worth to the Eagles yeah. to come play on your team and a guy that who would be a stop pack quarterback and you bench him after eight games.
3: I don't, there's I too many other options out there. I don't know why you'd ever give up a massive amount of picks. You're not buying the Nick Foles career resurgence
2: that he could take your team to the promised I mean, play Claiborne? I, I,
4: I sat there and said the Eagles were dead, just like uh, plenty of people did. So obviously anything can happen. That's why they play the games. But um, as to what I want my team, if I had a team, no. a hypothetical team that I'm a fan of, to send a first and let Let's be
2: real. You try to keep it underground, but I've been doing some – insider reporting. reporting? I know you don't like putting it out. I'm gonna confront out. you in
4: the hallway. In
2: the call you, you don't like putting it out there. Swear name. You grew up a Cowboys fan. Those those well, colors. Those, it takes a long time to give that up.
4: I, I went to college with Demarcus. He was a really nice guy. Uh, he got drafted by Bill Parcells, and I I enjoyed his success. So um, now, okay. it's,
2: so you now your your stance is you've moved on because Demarcus wears moved on.
4: No, <laughs> I moved on because of Jerry Jones. There's some
5: corroborating <laughs> evidence here. All right, <laughs> Patrick has had a. Uh, more vigorous take on J.J. Wilcox than any non-Cowboys fan could possibly. Yeah, <laughs>
2: exactly. Had. Kind of like, kind of like Wes. For even though he says he has no feelings towards the Bengals whatsoever, he followed them closer because his family does. That's not even true. It, he, That's he, has, not true. he has stronger takes the on the than on other TV teams. and now, Will, you've got Wilcox hot, hot
4: takes. Well, I got roped into <laughs> a, another segment of Cowboys defense because people used to say it was constant Twitter. Tony Romo this, Tony Romo that, as if Tony Romo was the worst football player who'd ever played the game. He was really good. I I would constantly put on my cape (laughs) defending Tony Romo. And because of that, watching the other team breeze past the Cowboys' defense as though they had a file cabinet back there at safety.
3: <laughs> I like Greg opening I, that comment with attempting to call that breaking news that we simply know what team our friend roots for in the opposite. <laughs> well, point. he tries to keep. He tries to keep is, under wraps. He's an NFL <laughs> Network personality. He
2: tries to hide it, and I'm I'm oh. here. I'm all about truth.
4: If somebody's really a fan of a team, then
2: I watched the I, Oscars, and uh, they told me that it's all about truth in 2018.
4: Oh yeah. From, from our friends.
2: Let, let them guide yeah, you. Uh, another big truth uh, today we learned. Antonio Cromartie is retiring. I thought we should mention this. He's had a very notable NFL career. He announced it on Instagram. Uh, Mark, what will you remember most about the Antonio Cromartie NFL career?
3: Well, I mean, probably because so much of uh, – I mean, there's so much hype around – Certain storylines of these quirky, the quirky aspects of these players. I'll just remember that he had like 106 children and couldn't <laughs> remember them. I also another. I have a memory of a time when the Jets played the Broncos on Thursday Night Football when the Tim Tebow parade was at its height, and there was a play where Tim Tebow with the Jets sort of season kind of hanging on the on the cusp. Tim Tebow soaring towards the end zone for a game deciding or altering score and Antonio Cromartie dodging to get out of the way and not have to deal <laughs> with Tim Tebow head-on running full steam towards ah. dirt. I'm sure someone, I'm sure if Dan were here, he would see him as a much different player. Yeah, I watched the game with Dan. I know he remembers
5: it too. I have some very specific memories from early in his career when the Chargers were going deep into the playoffs and talking to my boy Spice Rack about him. Spice Rack would would text me during Chargers game and say this guy is one of the most naturally gifted players I've ever seen on a football field and rave about his leaping ability, body control, hands, that he should be playing wide receiver, not defensive back, that he's so naturally talented. And that second year in the league, he's just a part-time starter. And I think he led the league with 10
2: interceptions. He did. He led the 10 picks that he He was including three against Peyton Manning, I believe, on Monday Night Football. To be that, I could easily check this, but it was kind of the Antonio Cromarti game where just people are going nuts. And he, he had a couple seasons like that throughout his career, including one of his Jet seasons, where for one season he was just a shutdown, yes. unstoppable it- guy. Made four Pro Bowls, made a first team All Pro. And to do all that when you're not known for your work
5: ethic or your technique is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah,
4: I'll, I'll go positive as well. A guy that played limited, he had a ACL and a, I believe a couple other injuries at Florida State, and so when the Chargers drafted him, it was it was almost like what? Like this guy, you know, there's not a lot of tape out on him, and like Wes said, he, he came in, uh, played in the NFL for ten years.
3: In that book, in that collision low crossers Jets chronicling book that. Uh, we've discussed probably 127 times on this on this show. Great, great, He is one of the top three most intriguing, bizarre, and enigmatic people because I think from whoever the coach was, or only certain coaches were really allowed to communicate with him oh, and yeah. impact right. him. He just seemed like a, like a a total a character off the field uh, in every possible way.
5: I vaguely recall those coaches being hot on him one minute, cold on him the next, right. and then a, an endless cycle of just. <laughs> Whether we like Chrome, whether we're going to keep him on the team or not.
2: <laughs> so uh, that's the end of Antonio Cromartie's career. Um, probably the end of Alden Smith's career came about this week with a couple items in the news, and we'll be quick on this. But the San Francisco police uh, were searching for Smith after he was allegedly involved in a domestic violence incident. Police confirmed to NFL.com over the weekend, and then the Raiders. Uh, officially released Smith. I w- w- wasn't even totally aware he was officially on their roster. He was set to hit free agency. Uh, the 28-year-old came into the league as uh, one of the best pass rushers in-, in the league for his first two seasons, and he has not played since 2015, uh, I believe.
3: And he was good under Jim Harbaugh. That. He had 19.5 sacks his second year and has not played a snap since 2015. Cannot get out of his own way. He's not coming back. It's that's a wrap. It.
5: That's it's it. one thing to have substance abuse, abuse
2: issues. It's another to be domestic violence several times. Yeah. So he he'll, he could face another suspension. Uh, we'll have to see. Let's move on to more fun, you know, and more happy news. And that's talking about Squarespace. Ready to start your business? Make it stand out with Squarespace. I'm standing out right now because I'm working on my big blog, Courts of Thunder, using Squarespace. Showcase your work on Squarespace a blog, publish content, even sell products or services of any kind. You can customize everything from the look and feel to settings and products. Head to squarespace.com for a tr- free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code AROUND to save 10% off your first purchase. Kum, what's coming up on Courts of Thunder this week? Indian Wells is coming up. Big tournament. Uh, excited to see Serena back into the mix, Kaney Shikori. Check it out again, courtsofthunder.com. And when you're starting your blog, use Around on Squarespace. The offer code AroundSquarespace.com. I can't say Squarespace. <laughs> you watched it. You enjoyed it. The NFL scouting combine. You know, there's a lot of guys running around. My kids watched it. And at one point, my daughter asked, "Like, how how do you win?" And I thought that was a fairly good good question. And you it's know what? Good question. We've got a we've got an answer right here. <laughs> Combine winners and losers. We're gonna tell you who wins. Let's maybe start with. I don't uh, even believe that we have winners. No, I don't. <laughs> Why not? Uh, we're gonna. Because try. I don't believe that any of it really means that much. No, it's not. But we're gonna talk about what happened, and uh, we can <laughs> at least have fun with it. Listen of this. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> That's, yeah, it's it's a little too much grunting here. It's it's, it's a deep burn. It's far too much. That's yeah. way worse than the misophony. Yeah, uh, if you're if you're grunting that much while lifting, you're in trouble. Let's start with Patrick Claybon. Give us give us a winner.
4: Uh, Mike Gesicki. I, I think he had the best performance in the combine. Uh, his three cone time was comparable to that of of cornerbacks. Uh, the tight end out of Penn State. You know, people are drooling over Saquon's workout, and they should be. But I I really think there's an argument that Mike Gesicki, uh at six five. Uh, right under 250 pounds, uh, running four or five, uh, getting around six seconds in the in, in three cone. Um, that's a performance that that may get a lot of people had him at tight end one, but I I think that might lock up a first round selection if you if you want mm. a guy. He's he's not a, he's not going to get in there and and block. He's he's not going to be that guy. Um, but how how many teams are really getting that blocking tight end anyway?
2: He kind of it kind of reminded me of Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis had a higher profile probably going into the combine, but he's someone whose draft stock went way up because of the combine. Maybe yep. he went from a mid-late first-round type of guy to to one who ended up going sixth overall. And
3: you you hear, we're not draft next year, but you kind of hear the same about Gasicki. I mean, I think the obvious one is Shaquem Griffin, and it sits – it played big all weekend and it should have. This is someone who at the senior bowl, they pulled him aside at one point and he was making a pitch to go to the combine because he wasn't invited. And it's someone who positionally they have to figure out what to do with him. That was Bucky Brooks' takeaway was he had an incredible performance with the with the bench press, his speed, his explosion, it's all there. He's still someone that they talked about as like his developmental project he's a special teams potential standout leader but I really have to say that if there's anything the combine is so there's so much about the combine that I have to look at and question what value do you take from it just to your point Wes that watching some of these quarterbacks throw passes to wide receivers they've never played with and zero defense ahead of them it's nice that you can throw a 60 yard pass but what does it tell us in September in week six when you're getting thrown in there when your quarterback goes down With this kind of performance, just simply saying, I don't really care what anyone says about me. I'm going to prove every one of you wrong. It's a little bit crazy to go in and do what he did, and that no one found him good enough to even go to what is essentially just a large scouting event. Plenty of players that will never emerge as NFL players. They looked right past him. That to me. In the initial invites for the scouting combine, he was not on the list. That's right. I think we did
5: learn something about this guy. He. Don't put limits on Shaquem Griffin because this is a guy who a few years ago when he got to college and they had to fit him for that prosthetic hand to do the, the bench press, he was so wobbly he could barely get the 45-pound bar up. And then here he is four years later doing 20 reps of
2: 225. Don't put a limit on this guy because he's still testing himself. Well, his, his own brother was putting limits on him. I believe his brother guessed that he was going to run about a 4'6". So, wow! So he, and he ran faster than Calvin Johnson. And and his brother, of course, is on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, his twin brother, uh, cornerback, played pretty well. Another Shaq Griffin too, giving up thirty Shaquille. pounds to him. <laughs> and, were- and and yeah, and and they he was he interviewed a little bit on on Tuesday, on Monday's show on on the scouting comment. He called in to Rich and Mike, and they were they were there together, and they asked the question, "Who's who, what twins are faster than us? It's the fastest twins in the game right now."
3: <laughs> Just saying, yeah, hang your hat on that. I mean, if the Hardy boys were technically twins, <laughs> I'd put them potentially in the in the conversation. Yeah.
4: But that was the Seahawks. I'd
3: want to go. I'd want to draft him, wouldn't you? Wouldn't fastest wouldn't you linebacker since two thousand three at the combine.
2: I and, saw Pete Carroll's reaction to his run. He seemed intrigued. Yeah, they, they and they're a they're a team. I think that that they do they march to the beat of their own drummer. They take some guys sometimes that the, only they want. So he was Griffin. I think was a guy people didn't think of. whether he was going to get drafted, whether or not. Now he's looked at as kind of a mid-round
4: type of pick. But who really knows? 12 and a half tackles for loss in his senior year of college. Wow. He can do a lot of stuff.
2: Wes, who do you got?
5: There is – you know, analytics was um, sort of brought into pro sports as a way to get rid of dogmatism. Uh, But as it happens, there's a certain segment in every sport of the analytics crowd that is very dogmatic – and they don't trust their eyes because they don't have an eye for the sport, so they only go by tenants of analytics and numbers. And Josh Allen is a guy they hate. They cannot stand <laughs> him because they can't see and they can't extrapolate from tape how he's going to do in the pros like scouts can. And I don't know if he's going to be good or not, but he is a guy who helped himself this weekend. Uh by all accounts, had one of the best pro days out there and one of the best arms that we've seen in a decade. So to me, I'm just intrigued by this guy because I don't think I am dogmatic. I'm willing to see what's going to happen with his career.
3: Bucky Brooks agrees with you. They called him the biggest surprise of the quarterbacks for how well he showed during a drill I would, that I largely just killed. But, I, but, but why, was he, why was he surprised, though? Wasn't great? If, I think he showed more at, accuracy than they thought. He showed uh, on just, in general, I think the knock was, can't, uh, again, a lot of people are watching for the first time live. Right. I think it was the accuracy
5: and the ability to change speeds and throw with finesse, too.
4: And, and I think one part, and it kind of plays into the conversation, like what are you looking for, as you said, out of these. We're, we're watching guys run post-corner routes, and you see a guy like Josh Rosen or Kyle Laletta wait for – well, not wait. They're throwing they're trying to time the receiver's routes mm-hmm. to get the ball there on time. What, what Josh Allen has the ability to do that not a lot of people can do, he can wait for that guy out of his fifth step going towards the corner and then just rifle a bullet to him yeah and so that that on that stage it, on some particular drills it highlights what he can do best
2: and it has uh, you know it has the ability to throw away bad tape if you dra- if you draft Josh Allen number one overall for instance it sounds like he's in that mix at least that the, the Browns would consider him you have to be willing to apparently throw out a lot of ugly tape that you can put somewhat on the coaches and the situation at Wyoming. Maybe you can put it all on there if you're confident enough in your ability to do that. I still do worry. There's kind of an innate natural ability to play quarterback that's hard to measure, What kind of like your comfort with the position. And maybe that's some of the... And that's different than analytics, but I think that's some of the problem that some people have with Josh Allen. It's well, like I, I remember with Ryan Tannehill, people thought he had all the upside in the world on some level because he was, you know, physically talented, not a huge arm, certainly nothing like Josh Allen. But they thought, well, you can kind of he'll once he plays quarterback more, he'll have a better feel of how to play the position. But I don't know if I don't know if that's something you can learn at the pro level. Well, I think scouts have doubts about that stuff too, not just analytics. Scouts questioned his field vision and his ability to go through progressions. So that's an issue. Should we go Should we go to a loser? Oh, I'll throw, I'll throw out a winner because we haven't talked uh, exactly about Saquon Barkley. Uh, but the fact that he's now in the mix for the number one overall pick, the thing that stood out to me uh, was, and this is so kind of surface level, but just listening to him do the interviews with the media and with Total Access and with you know, Rich and Mike Mayock, I mean, when you listen to him talk, I mean, he does seem like about like the total package guy. And if you're going to take a guy to be the number one overall pick or or the number two overall pick, because I think the Giants could certainly be looking at him strong, you kind of want everything. You want him to be a franchise guy. And, I mean, he is just an impressive young guy.
3: He's like the offensive. We had Miles Garrett last year. And on offense you're getting sort of that version. They say when he when he does running back things, he looks like the best running back you've seen in eons. Right. And when he does wide receiver things, he's doing stuff that some of the top wide receivers don't do on some level. So And it's it's on. impossible to measure kind of what you know, who who wants to be the best pro,
2: who's gonna once they get to the pro, really wanna be like the greatest of the greats. But everything that you hear about him and his interviews and the, if you want to throw intangibles in there, it seems like he's got all of that. So you can see why he'd be so tempting because you would have to feel if you're a GM, like, I'm not going to miss on this guy. Like, I could miss on the other
3: guys.
4: There's literally no piece of information that somebody could bring to the table to say you don't want Saquon Barkley on your football team.
3: <laughs> like- not yet. No, not at all. I mean, I, one other guy I throw out is Bradley Chubb because they talk about him as in other drafts he'd be clear he outside of Barkley but he would be really in the mix for the top overall pick and in this whirlwind of quarterbacks and Barkley and even Griffin and everything that'll happen completely forgotten this weekend i feel like but blew away his combine and someone's going to land him at somewhere between like 3 and 6 maybe Maybe the get, jets again the jets who, always get I mean i'm following. just saying like they're going to get the guy that could have been in other years a, a totally qualified successful number one overall dude a good I want to
2: throw out some winners?
3: Uh,
5: a, there's always guys I've never heard of when this comes up because I don't really watch college football. DJ Moore, a wide receiver from Maryland, whom I had never heard of before Saturday, and I saw Matt Harmon tweeting about him, and, and I always trust what Harmon has to say about wide receivers because he studies them so intently. And uh, this guy, everything I heard after that was phenomenal. This guy seems like a, a can't-miss guy at wide receiver. Uh, had a great combine and then when that matches sort of uh what people are seeing on tape, he seems like a guy who uh will be flying up draft boards.
0: Mm.
2: Any uh losers from the uh the scenario.
5: Oh,
4: uh, it's tough. It's tough
2: I, I to know, maybe we guys. shouldn't maybe we shouldn't no, put it I'm on just, these guys. Well the poor poor guy Maurice Hurst who had to leave uh with a heart condition, I'll throw that out there just because that's that's terrible news and you hope that everything's okay, but he a defensive tackle out of Michigan that uh, was expected to go in the first round, and maybe he still will. Uh, similar things have happened with uh, players, star Laley, mm-hmm. Nick Fairley, who ended up popping back up, but these guys still ended up getting drafted pretty high. So maybe it's not that big a deal. We'll see.
3: I don't think it's about us tagging someone as a loser, but it was impossible not to hear the assessment on Orlando Brown. I mean, Bucky Brooks said it was, in quotes, one of the worst athletic displays I've ever seen at the NFL scouting combine and that's I mean, it's a, a tackle prospect who has NFL genes and he just came in apparently he was not prepared to shine
4: hopefully he gets a chance to light it up at the pro day because it, it it wasn't super impressive
3: it, I I, don't, I, I tackles at pro days so you're gonna have to remind me of uh,
4: Andre Smith
5: you know what was that about seven eight years ago when
2: yeah, he was just kind of flopping flopping all around. Yeah, Very I, famously, he needed like a sports bra for that work. Yeah,
5: I always feel like I need to take a shower after the analysis <laughs> on this stuff. <laughs> oh, no doubt. It's just like it makes me feel kind of dirty listening to people analyze bodies in that way.
2: Well, with with that, I
3: think that's a nice little capper to our uh, combine. Ah, yes. I like that, I, that I'm going to be the one person that dropped like negative energy on some future. Oh, well, I'll, oh, oh,
4: oh no, I'll, uh, Auden Tate uh, out of Florida okay, State. Okay, there we go. He's, he's a big body guy. He had some... It, you know Florida State's schedule. You play uh, against a lot of good talent. He scored a touchdown on Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, he came to Indy and, and ran about a four-seven uh, at a thirty-inch vertical, and it, you know it really didn't. Uh, he had a chance to make some money, and and I, and I don't think he. Yeah, it's
3: it's more situational. Like Ronald Jones tweaked his hamstring and couldn't run the forty, and he was someone that was trying to vie to become the next running back off the board. But there's still plenty of time for that. I I don't care that Sam Darnold didn't throw. Yeah. Should I? I mean, I guess you want to see him do that. But what? But why are you waiting till now to find out if you find out if he can throw or not? Yeah. It's not a
2: big deal. Yeah, We're th- over it. He'll throw. He'll throw. He'll light it up at the combine, and uh, I mean at his oh. pro day rather. And uh, it's basically all. Uh, just kind of a precursor, all an appetizer to the main entree of this program, and that is Trash Takes. The people demanded it. It's back.
4: <laughs> Ew, what's that smell? It's Trash Takes with Patrick Claiborne.
2: We even have a drop for it. Yeah. I, and and I, it's I, not just with Patrick Claibon, It's with uh, Patrick yeah. Claibon,
3: Chris Wesley, and Mark Sessler. The,
4: the idea comes up, and Mark and Chris are like, yeah, I've, I've got one. And so...
3: I'm not entirely sure how the segment works, but I have something that I'm annoyed with. No. Okay. Okay.
5: It's one thing, one of the great things about this segment is that we'll never run out of resources.
4: Yeah. (laughs) People say, uh, people have been saying dumb stuff since people. Yes, Since since people came (laughs) out. Since vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mine is just one that I had to get to because it it got so much reaction uh, from everybody. I got to it late. It was a a tweet from the Field Goals account that said you can't make fun of the Jaguars for having to pay Blake Bortles 19 million dollars next season unless you're giving equal ribbing to the Panthers for paying Cam Newton 21.5 million Bortles is arguably the better passer of the two a tweet that mm. spawned so much reaction that Chris Wessling...
2: yeah this is <laughs> Claybod brought this up as a potential one and i and i thought oh we we need to do this because Chris sent a very uh Almost apologetic tweet to field goals <laughs> after this and said, I'm really sorry, um, but I'm going to have to unfollow you, after <laughs> you
5: because oh. of this. It's, it's an account that I've really respected and considered smart. I don't know who's running the account on that day or not, but some smart guys have come out of field goals. Isn't Danny Kelly? A
2: Absolutely. The they a do a great, great job in general. I, I would say it's one of the best, the better team. Segment.
5: Yeah, but it's such a rotten, rotten tweet <laughs> and it's a bad take and it makes no sense.
4: That was cuz
2: my so, initial, you, so that's it they're done with you. So you did you unfollow you unfollowed them? I haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> okay.
4: My only foray foray into it if I could say it um was hey we just got to find out which which one of the guys sent this tweet, you know. And Chris comes in there just barreling in like with a parachute like <laughs> no
3: I was, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of the whole you're thing. You're out on the entire organization.
2: <laughs> that was verklempt. That's how I was very early. First, like, five years maybe of Twitter, or three or four years, if someone sent one really bad tweet, unfollow. You're done. And then, But then now you realize people... Can always refollow them. Sure. You, people get their feelings hurt. Things happen. It's tough. They need their feelings hurt in this case. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. First of all, you can't even argue that Blake Bortles was that comparable this season. And you have more than one season to look at you have a the entire decade to look at for for cam newton it's a ridiculous <laughs> maybe like a, a young blogger even this named season like, they're not close
5: one if you really look one at of it. these guys was the mvp within the last three years of the entire league and then the other guy had one of the worst passing performances we've ever seen in a playoff game against the bills yeah i would check
3: out their masthead i mean maybe there's like a willoughby bortles <laughs> tucked away as like a <laughs> n- like a late night willoughby. blogger for them <laughs>
4: But if, if you juxtapose uh Cam's game against the Saints with Blake Bortle's game against yeah. the Bills and it's it, it gets pretty gnarly. It's tough to imagine Blake in that Panthers game down at North. Sorry.
2: We had to do it. It's a trash Cam- it's a trash take. I, I saw what they're going for. It turned out to be trash. Confirmed. Yes. Confirmed trash. Unfollowed. Literally unfollowed. That used to be the kind of the premise of this. Yeah, that's how it's are you gonna are you gonna unfollow the person or are you're gonna mute them or yeah. what? This person's getting unfollowed by Wes. Wes, what is your trash take?
5: This comes from Peter King's column on Monday. Yeah, this is him paraphrasing. Aww. This is him paraphrasing uh, sort of the negative surrounding the perceived negative surrounding Josh Rosen. He's too smart for his own good, he's anti-Trump into politics and cares a lot about the planet. Quarter-na- quarterbacks need to be myopic, football only. This is absurd, and it's <laughs> endemic to the NFL and the culture they have created. Could you possibly imagine an NBA GM worried that his top prospect might be anti-Trump or care about the planet? You can't pro-planet.
3: Right, well, because the business is, like, it's. I, I totally agree that that would be something I would not care about, but when you work for who most NFL owners are, I think most NFL owners proved to us this past season that they are not looking for quarterbacks with super high-octane political takes. I I agree with that. It's not probably even how scouts feel, but scouts have to think about the organization, their boss, and that's the problem. You
2: don't want a player to be too smart because if they're dropping back into coverage and they're trying to read whether it's cover two or cover three and you start thinking about the planet (laughs) right then,
3: there's (laughs) not enough time to react. There's Uh not enough time for planets. But, but wait, are we saying that that there's no aspect to this where it's they're working for typically very rich Republicans who run the entire? I think show. you're letting scouts and GMs off the hook. A lot
5: of I'm them not are politically to... conservative and narrow-minded. Uh, yeah, maybe,
3: maybe they are, but like a lot of scouts are also 23 and on the road eight months a year. I don't know what their political games are, like, but it's less about politics,
2: I think, than just. Uh, having other interests and intelligence that they almost are are somehow threatened about by an athlete with a lot of opinions.
5: NFL coaches don't really like challenges. They don't want to embrace a guy who's going to be a challenge. A guy like Josh Rosen who, you know, his senior year in high school was out doing the same stuff that Peyton Manning was doing at the line of scrimmage. And his coach said to him, you don't need to wear your intelligence on your sleeve. And Josh Rosen said, you know what? I needed that ego check. And at several steps along the way, he's gotten ego checks, and he's smart enough to put those to use. And I, and I think there's a nuance about Josh Rosen. There's a complexity about him that a lot of NFL coaches who are just going along for the ride don't want, yeah.
3: they, don't want to deal with that complexity. They bring up that he con- – and this is another thing that I feel like has popped up a lot um, in the last couple drafts, is that quarterback X or even player X, but more quarterback X comes from a wealthy family, so doesn't need football or has never needed football the same way that someone else would. Yeah, that right. also is an incredibly massive assumption about the the complex. Chemistry that makes Josh Rosen who he well, is. That's ridiculous. Give me a break. Ridiculous. It's, they it's all Josh Rosen. It's like his oh yeah. Interview was great at the combine. Baker Mayfield, who everyone had issues with. All the all you heard was day two, day three. I love the both. Teams of their love Baker Mayfield right. behind the scenes, talking to him. So it's all trash on some level. Right. I mean, well
2: Peyton Manning, he did grow up, you know, coming from the other side of the track. So I do think I think that
5: there is some similarity between Rosen and Peyton Manning. That they are mm. both very intelligent, especially on the field. Um I it, Rosen's even smarter than Peyton Manning probably by quite a bit. Um but he's Peyton Manning is very um single-minded driven about football being the center place of his life and Josh Rosen seems to have more interest which makes him a much more fascinating human being to me, but I can see how coaches might question that a little
4: bit. I would say if Josh, if if you're political or just general life ideology is so fragile that a 23 year old uh, working for your team is gonna cause issue with that uh, then maybe you should reevaluate um, the way that you look at the world but I, I think Josh like as far as the criticisms of Josh you take out some you know absurd things people have said about Lamar Jackson like Josh has really gotten hammered through this pr- process for literally just saying pretty basic mainstream like the idea that the planet like he, he cares That's to
2: exactly. It's
3: preposterous. And <laughs> it, so like, it preposterous. It like, does
2: get me thinking, though. I like that this this rookie class I think is going to add some spark to the league, which we could use. at yeah, but much between, between him and Mayfield, and then Josh Allen, who I think is just going to cause reactions. Yeah. It, that's good.
4: There's quarterbacks in the NFL that have to hide. That teams need to hide to keep people from asking them questions. I don't think you would ever need to hide Josh Rosen from answering a difficult question.
5: Well, he he refuses to be anyone else. Other than who he is, which is
3: admirable to me in a league where nobody says anything interesting, right? And that said, we don't know him personally either, so it's like we're all just gleaning everyone else's facts and takes. So well, you don't, you, know, you don't. I do. You know him? Yeah, big time friend. LA. on the right, tennis Greg, circuit. I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's accurate. Rosen. Rosen. What's his favorite football team? Any more breaking news? You have to. You want to share with us? Uh, <laughs> Dallas Cow- <laughs> UCLA Bruins. <Brooklyn. laughs>
5: At age 12, he was the number one ranked tennis player in all of the – There ooh, you go. More, wow.
2: Another Maybe you made, were
3: friends with him. Another thing we have in common. All right. We're running out of time. Trash <laughs> take final one. My, mine is not I, – I have a completely – this is does not fit, nor is it nearly as deep and nuanced as the, as the previous one. I just simply – it's more not what people are saying, but what they're doing. And it has to do with men who are still wearing neckties. I feel like it is. I am really annoyed with men's fashion in general. And I've been thinking about this. Talked a few people out about it at the Combine. And you're doing it with your actions. You're saying, oh, when I'm told I need to dress up or something, I go put a necktie on. And it's a a clothing item that has literally zero meaning at this point in our society anymore. It's not some tradition that most people even care or know where it came from. It's personally something when you were a kid, oh, you're going to a wedding, you're going to church, or it's time to dress up to go to Aunt Shelley's event, whatever she's doing. You have to put a tie on, and it's a clip-on tie, and then we're going to teach you how to tie a tie. No concept or acknowledgement that it is one of the most stupid things that you could put on your body. It doesn't look good it looks well, it rather does look stu- good. I don't think it does I am done with ties and I think that what it What inspired this I felt this way about men's clothing for ages and I just think one of the things so who, I even who even at NFL network I notice it. it's like uh-oh wait you talk all we talk all week and we talk up here but occasionally when they throw us when we've had to go you down have to, to put do a tie. it it's like oh well now you're going into this other room put on a, a sports blazer and a tie and now what is that saying that now suddenly your opinion has more to give you have more to give it's it's a construct it's Blow a, it up! It's TV. I, I agree with. Ah, you. come on! I agree give me with a break you on with everything
5: TV. except the fact that it
3: doesn't look good. I think it does look. They good. can look good all, uh, occasionally, but I really just don't. So think who that had they... the trash take? Society? Yep. I think no. By by uh, the, the actions that we still are like clicking our mind. I'm going somewhere dressy. I must put a tie in, or someone, another man, is telling me I have to wear a tie, and so I do it.
5: Which is weird that it, like you're 40 something years old, and another grown human person is telling you what to put well, on. You your could mind. easily well, say no. I mean, no. It's,
4: at in this point the grown person is society and it's like we right. don't, don't bloodlet anymore uh, there's plenty of things that we if an alien comes down and says hey why do you wear that tie how am i going to rationalize this to this being that has i'm hiding no my buttons
2: yeah i mean uh, you could get pretty deep into it
3: clothes in general Are
4: buttons bad
5: I don't know, but you got to figure. That's there's why a, lot, there's were, a lot going on. I don't think ties I,
3: were initially worn, right? Why you, else would they be worn I believe 100% Wes, that when you say you like the way it looks, that you do, and that's why. Because you, you've often said, "I'm not even going to the holiday party because I don't want to dress up." So you've, you, you obviously don't, don't bend to another person's fashion take. But I don't think that the majority of men who are in, just in the habit of wearing ties do it because of a great urge; they think it looks good. I do not. I think unless that's, I think many of them do it because they're told to. Yeah, I like it I like either totally casual or
2: like a suit. I hate when we're like in like a dress shirt and then jean I don't know, like <laughs> it's all terrible.
4: I I'll say 100% the reason that I wear a tie is I want to avoid fashion conversations that are critical of me. Mm-hmm. And so I wear a tie on air because I don't want somebody to ask me why I wasn't wearing a tie. That's that's literally
3: the only I get it. That tells awesome. you the man is hovering, ready to critique. Yeah. That's our theme to the show. Well, we
5: we live on the West Coast, so we have it we have it pretty good. The, the standards out here are much looser than they are in the Midwest or on the East Coast.
2: Well, I'm glad, um, you know, much like Colleen not quite understanding the rules of different segments, Mark threw that out there, because even though he didn't understand the rules, it was, it was, fi- good. It was, it was, was fire. Way off. It I was enjoyed a hot it. take. All right. We will be back this week. Two more shows, Wednesday and Friday, Uh the franchise te- deadline is Tuesday, so we'll have some news coming out of that. We'll have some cuts. We'll see what else is happening. I don't know if Colleen is joining us. She's usually in on Wednesday, so hopefully she is. That would be good. But uh, what what a treat this was to have Claybon in the house. Thanks. I'm, I missed
4: you guys. All, All right.
2: right. See you guys. Thanks much. for coming back. All right. For Patrick Claybon, hit the music. <laughs> Mark Sessler uh, and Chris Wesley. I'm Greg Rosenthal. See you Wednesday.
0: come on you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower